from gelatinous cubes to icosahedrons, nerds like a lot of things, but there's something they love above all else, and that is correcting people. This is a very special Dungeons & Dragons-only episode of Um Actually. Joining us today, we have Gus Sarola. Hello, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for being here. Uh, we have Matt Mercer. Hi! Happy to be joining you, nerds. And we have Amy Vorpal. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I didn't disappear. I'm right here. <laughs> taking advantage of our technical issues. <laughs> well, I can't rip on your joke because I've got to put my headphones back. <laughs> sure, it was a great joke. <laughs> so, uh, Matt and Amy, you've played before. Gus, uh, uh, welcome for the first time here. Uh, the rules are so simple. I have here a stack of statements. These are incorrect statements about Dungeons and Dragons. It's up to you to find the thing I've said that's wrong, buzz in, and correct me. Uh, you can interrupt me whenever you want. You don't need to wait for the question to finish. And uh, all your corrections must be preceded with the phrase, um, actually. How are you all feeling, aside from, you know, the general state of the world? <laughs> Conscious. Great. Yeah, I like digital backgrounds, so uh, I'm doing great. <laughs> I, uh, when I was a little boy, when I was a teenager, my father told me I was wasting time playing Dungeons and Dragons, so I'm here uh, to prove him wrong. In your face, Dad. That's right. His dad. I'm, I think that um, that Far Side comic that is the uh, the 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 there's like a little kid playing Nintendo and two proud parents standing behind him and just imagining the classified ads that are like, we need a, like someone needed to save princess, big money payout, like, yeah. and the fact that that like was ludicrous enough to be a Far Side comic and just has become straight reality. It's like, <laughs> well, I guess that's that's what this is now. <laughs> we don't have talking cows yet, but the yeah. year still has halfway to go. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, well, great. We'll jump right in here um, uh, with our first statement. Hey, are you a spellcaster or just an asshole? All of the following are spells you might learn in 5th edition that are also just things a jerk might do or have. Glibness, interrupt, dominate person, mislead, cause fear. Uh, Mercer has buzzed in. Um, actually, interrupt is not a spell in 5th edition D&D. That is correct. Uh, interrupt is not a spell. It sounds like it could be, uh, but are all. Uh, and I do love how many spells sound like just uh, just being a jerk. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a sizable part of the game that I feel like can be wish fulfillment for those of us who got pushed around in high school to turn around, and now we get to be the dicks, and they just wanted to give the tools to do it. Yeah. Dan uh, Telfer I, just wrote uh, an article on D&D Beyond, not just, but sometime this year, and uh, all the days are blending together. But he, he like, you could have a, a different alignment that's just petty, and I, <laughs> I, I love that as an idea for a character. <laughs> yeah. after, after listening to all these spells, I want to I want to add my own. Like, I'd like to cast Gaslight as a level four spell, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, that point will go to Matt, and your buzzers are reset. We'll go on to our next statement here. Items in D&D draw their inspiration from a wide variety of places. Some come from myth and folklore like Seven League Boots and Carpet of Flying. Some come from history like Studded Leather Armor and Tridents, while others come from published works of fiction like Morpal Sword or Ion Stones. Um, um, actually, Ion Stones aren't from a published work of fiction. 
they are, and Gus is immediately nodding because it seems like he knows where they're from. Uh, <laughs> but those uh, uh, those are from uh, Jack Vance's Dying Earth series. Oh, uh, Matt, you had buzzed in as well. Do you have an answer? I believe you had said. Uh, I'm actually. Yeah. I believe <gasps> you. I, I was going to clarify before actually giving my statement, but I will make it part of the statement. I'm actually. Sure. I believe you had said seven league boots, mm -hmm. and I do not believe that is an item in D and D. Oh, I um, I think they are um, at least is somewhere. Uh, it might be. We'll have we'll have Saltzman uh, check You're it out. Probably right. I, <laughs> I always get nervous anytime uh, uh, anyone says anything a little too confidently. It's like, oh shit, did I fuck up? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, no, that's not the answer we're looking for. I figured. Um, actually, tridents don't act really exist. They're a work of fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, but no. But you're also not that far off. I'll call this one. Uh, Gus was actually kind of the closest one here, and if you had guessed the other one, you would have been right. Uh, the weird thing here is that studded leather armor actually has no historical basis. And in fact, if you were to put studs into your armor, uh, most people agree that that would make your armor weaker. Uh, it's uh, and most people, uh, a lot of people think that uh, Gaiagax misunderstood illustrations of brigandine armor, uh, which is where there are studs uh, that are that are part of the thing you're wearing that fix plate to uh, to basically like the undergarment. Um, but uh, the idea of like putting like big old metal studs into leather armor is both historically inaccurate and a bad idea for armor in general. Oh, do you mean uh, do you mean a nerd came up with an idea that had no um, no real logic to it? They just wanted to look cool. Okay. And then claim the knowledge was based on actual factual history. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine that happening. Now, time to open up my big file of female armor. Um, <laughs> now I gotta go through. Now I gotta go through my closet and throw away all my studded leather. Yeah. It's Don't they keep laughing me at Renfair. It's not right. <laughs> you know. Oh, you know, that actually brings up a good point because now it's dangerous that, you know, elementary school kids, their first introduction to any of this is the internet and they're probably just believing it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think that'll be fine in the long run, right? Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, just, kids, if you're watching, just go to Google, type up leather studs. I'm sure nothing yeah. bad will pop up. <laughs> Leather studs. Uh, we'll move on here to our next question. Slady are bipedal, frog-like creatures with a variety of different forms. Blue slady produce other blue slady with a lycanthropy-like disease, and red slady reproduce by planting eggs under a host's skin. If the host of either is a spellcaster, the result is a more powerful green slade, who can go on to transform into several other types, including gray, death, white, and black. Gus. Um, actually, death is not a type. Death is a type, which is weird because all the rest are colors, and it's just like, ah, but we'll throw some death in there too. <laughs> uh, Amy. Um, actually, black is not a type. Uh, black is a type as well. Yeah. Uh, Matt. Um, actually, white is not a type. Uh, white is also a type. Yeah. I just. Uh, Amy. Um, actually, the host doesn't necessarily have to be a spellcaster for the transformations. It does, yeah. Uh, wow! Uh, what could the real fun. answer be? Uh, so what we're looking for here is uh, blue slade produce red slade by the uh, by the system described, and red slade produce blue slade. After that, everything else is the same. But like, blue slade can only produce red, and vice versa. Um, and what is this I animal crossing flowers? <laughs> 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 
Uh, well, we'll move on to our next question. This is a fan question. So this comes to us from one of our viewers. This is from Runcible Shaw, and it is about the Dungeons and Dragons Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> Dungeons & Dragons, the Saturday morning cartoon based on the tabletop role-playing game and co-produced by Marvel Productions and TSR, premiered in 1983. The plot centers around six children being magically transported into the game of D&D they're playing. The children, Hank, Eric, Diana, Presto, Sheila, and Bobby, are joined by their unicorn companion, Uni. Together they must decipher the enigmatic clues of the Dungeon Master in order to defeat their enemy, Vengar, and find the way back to their own world. Yes, Gus. Um, actually, Marvel was not involved in the production. Weirdly, Marvel was, yeah. Uh, Mad. Um, actually, the children weren't actually playing the game when they were sucked into it? That's correct. Uh... <laughs> oh. <laughs> what seems like the most logical way to get into a D&D cartoon, uh, and one that certainly other shows and things have used, uh, but not the case here. They were just, uh, they're just sort of transported. Uh, they, they, the children actually never play Dungeons & Dragons in the real world. They're just transported into the realm of Dungeons & Dragons uh, when they actually ride an amusement park ride named Dungeons & Dragons. Mm. Uh, in fact, the game Dungeons & Dragons never appears in the cartoon, um, although elements of the game uh, do. You know what's weird is I, I knew that. I knew they rode a ride. I didn't, I didn't. I, that's the only part of the the cartoon I've ever seen is the in the opening uh, <laughs> with the song. <laughs> that was that, so, that, that was the one memory giveaway for me. But I was like, they were on like an amusement park ride when they got so flipped in there, didn't they? <laughs> it's so strange that they already had the it. It's like they kept so many elements the same. It was, it was like it's such like an A to B like or like an A to lowercase a translation, you know, of, of like, all right, they're doing something fun and that transports them into the real world. Should it be the actual game that exists in the real world? No, it's an amusement park ride. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's a panic and, move of like, no, D&D is fun, everybody. D &D yeah. is fun. <laughs> well, and consider too, like, how how not fun would it be as a 12-year-old kid who had never played D&D &D, didn't really want anything to do with it to be thrust into second edition? Like, that would just be <laughs> overall a soul-crushing experience. Well, uh, when I started playing, uh, I, I grew up in a really small town. And so I had to, we, me and my friends had to try to find books at secondhand bookstores. So we got started with original D&D, &D, with, like, hit tables. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, so yeah, by the time second edition came around, we we're like, thank God for Thacko. We were just like, we were so over having to look up all that stuff every time. What a what a no one has ever said thank phrase. God for Thacko. Yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. I just like hearing in Hollywood like a uh, new D and D movie is confirmed at Paramount. Nope, at Universal. Nope. Like they just keep like shifting it around. Like oh, that, this these people are gonna crack it and like what makes D and D fun and cinematic? And it's like, uh, yeah, I think I think Critical Role did it, <laughs> y'all. Uh, I remember going into the theater when the when the movie came out back in two thousand. I was like, oh, Jeremy Irons, this is gonna be incredible. And I got my whole game group together to go see it, and we just kind of sat there in stunned silence most of it and when it finished and the credits rolled we all stood up and went like well damn our game looks great now <laughs> <laughs> well cool that point will go to matt and we will move on to our next question which is our first shiny question of the game 
this is a game we're calling Find the Fake. Uh, so in just a second on this screen, we're going to show you uh, six images of monsters from monster manuals. These are uh, illustrations pulled uh, from monster manuals, uh, except for one, which is a fake uh, that does not actually exist. The first person who can identify the fake illustration will get the point. Uh, let's go ahead and take a look at those monsters. Uh, Matt has buzzed in. Um, actually, I believe the weird scrawny duck thing in the middle top is not an actual monster in D&D. That actually is. That is a thought eater, uh, is what that is, this weird platypus thing. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, Amy and then Gus. I'm actually, the chair looks like it's trying to be a mimic, but I think they're only illustrated as chests. Uh, you have identified it. But yes, that chair, that that fake monstrous chair is is not a real monster. That's something I just made up called a monstrous chair. Monstrous chair, though it looks a bit like a mimic, uh, does not actually exist in D&D. So the top left is, is uh, of course, our iconic beholder. I did want to include it, though, cause just because I think that that illustration looks, <laughs> it looks insane. Uh, yes. The art, I think, of the, in the early editions, it's like, it's like, oh, that it feels a little like a, like a, like a home game, you know? Yeah, the early editions, the early editions transcend biology, ecology, <laughs> anthropology. Like, there's no real, uh, combination of science <laughs> going on in yeah, this so, land. And yet, I mean, come on, they, they even have studded leather. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, there on the upper right, right? That's a flump, yes. Is that a bag of devouring on the bottom right? So that is a cushion fungus. Uh, and then also this thing that looks like we just made a mistake in the lower middle, that is actually the official art uh, uh, in the Invisible first stalker? or second edition for Invisible Stalker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That was my favorite thing in the old monster manual. <laughs> oh my gosh. Someone was like someone that day was like, I'm going home early. <laughs> Draw an invisible stalker, you say? <laughs> well, if you work hard on this one. <laughs> I like to think that they spent weeks working on it, then they accidentally like threw it away or the cleaning yeah. crew came through and tossed their sketch and like the deadline was coming up and they're like, oh no, oh no, <laughs> it's yes. gonna turn into a blank piece of paper. Someone comes <laughs> into the office and there's just like, there's like frazzled hair, crumpled up paper all around them. And like, it's like, what's going on in here? Like turning, unraveling every piece of paper and it's all the same blank piece of paper. It's like, I can't quite get the details right. <laughs> Look here. <laughs> Wait, tell me, what is the platypus uh, golem thing called? That is a thought eater. I think he thinks he's cute, you know, like he's out there going, hey. <laughs> okay. um, Amy has got a point. Cool, so our current score, Gus, with unlimited potential, uh, <laughs> uh, currently at zero, but many questions remain. Uh, two for Matt, one for Amy. And we'll move on to our next question. The Blood War is an ancient conflict between the Devils of the Nine Hells of Bator and the Celestials of the Seven Heavens of Mount Celestia. The Blood War has been fought since the Age Before Ages, before the Material Plane fully developed, and yes, who that is? Who's buzzing in? That's Mercer, yes. Um, actually, the Blood War is fought between the Devils of the Nine Hells and the Demons of the Abyss. That is correct. It's a war between devils and demons, not devils and angels. If you like, think about the alignment chart, it makes a certain amount of sense, but it does feel like 
hey guys, you're more similar than you are different. Like, <laughs> all this. Uh... And yet, what's more human when you get down to it? <laughs> A true allegory for 2020. Let's find yes. a common ground and work together. Straight up. <laughs> well, cool. We'll move on to our next question here. Uh, this one's going to be about books. Some Dungeons & Dragons books here. Drizzt Doerden is a major character in the books of R.A. Salvatore. His preferred weapons are a pair of scimitars, Icing Death, a frost weapon that protects against fire, and Vidranath, a.k.a. Lullaby. Uh, Matt. Uh, um, actually, uh, Drizzt's swords are, uh, Icing Death and Twinkle. Yes, that's correct. His other sword is called Twinkle. Uh, <laughs> I will say he did wield Vidranath for a while after Twinkle broke, uh, but the two swords were forged together into a new and better Twinkle, uh, but still <laughs> Twinkle. Uh, <laughs> amazing. Do, do you think he like he like mumbles that one under his breath? Like, <laughs> like what was the name of your Ice second sword? Icing death and but also I'm sorry, what was that did you say? On one hand, yeah, it is kind of ridiculous to, to imagine like a, a first is trying to be a badass here, especially a nineties badass fantasy hero with the sword named Twinkle. But what's worse than like having your enemy on the ground bleeding out by what have you slain me <laughs> you have fallen to the blade of twinkle are you fucking serious here's the thing if i die i just don't want to die from twinkle you know it's yeah, like, the other, sword, like, other sword is that okay yeah. <laughs> does too, twinkle too, have like, magical powers like icing death it's, it protects against fire i guess I or is Twinkle just a blade? From what I'm reading in, in very quickly pulled up in the wiki, it uh, actually can impart weak base emotions upon its wielder. I guess it's an intelligent object. It detect it glows softly when there's danger nearby. So it's like sting huh. plus spider sense. So I wonder where they got that inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. How original. Even Sting, which it ha is like a little cutesy, still sounds more fearsome than Twinkle. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, well, cool. That point will go to Matt, and I will remember to reset your buzzer now. Um, and we'll go on to our next question here. The alignment system of D&D is one of its most notable features. While alignment in 5e is mostly used for flavor and character development, in previous editions, alignment could have very real mechanical effects on your gameplay. Items like Helm of Opposite Alignment could change a character's alignment, and some spells like Holy Word negatively affect evil creatures specifically. Yes, Amy, and then Gus close behind her. Um, actually, the way most people play 5e, including me, negates alignment or kind of puts that on the back burner, but it still does technically have real in-game consequences. It, it it can. I'm uh, that's not what I'm going for. I'm trying to sort okay. of get across the idea that like that like uh, the the fact that you can now just sort of be like, ah, eh, we'll sort of like wash over it. Like you can let it have some effects, but like it's not as written into the rules as, as some early editions. Uh, Gus. Um, actually, Holy Ward was not restricted to evil creatures. Uh, that is correct. Do you know? Uh, do you know specifically what it is? I'll give you the point uh, anyway. No, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to remember. I'm racking my yeah. brain, but. I, I can't call up the specifics. Sure. Uh, so Holy Word uh, actually doesn't affect evil creatures. Holy Word affects non-good creatures, which means it also affects neutral characters, which seems <laughs> evil to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, they haven't embraced the holiness. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, if, if you're just like, hey, if you're not good, fuck off. And like, yeah. <laughs> like some druid minding his own business, picking yeah, mushrooms, yeah. like, ow! You're <laughs> 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 either with us or against us. It's like, hey, buddy, I don't know if this is as good as you think it is. <laughs> it's, it seems like that's such like a very like specific like wording because it's very easy easy to think to like see the like okay holy word non good creatures and like for your brain to kind of translate that as evil and you could totally imagine some like like rules lawyer campaign where like someone casts that and it's like uh, actually yeah your your other adventurers here who are a little bit more neutral they're all gonna get blasted by this fucking thing too sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that six year old that you were saving uh, he did kind of burn a few ants with yeah. my glass and so he's. He's Ooh, that world was not good. <laughs> <laughs> Morality. It's a deer bird. <laughs> I am good. <laughs> uh, well, that point will go to Gus. Are you shopping for a lot of family members right now? Well, a Hello Tushy Bidet is a great gift for your eco-conscious cousin, your neat freak sister, your farty dad, or really anyone who poops. We all deserve a better clean and a healthier planet, don't you think? Hello Tushy sent me a bidet, and guess what? It was easy to install, and it works great. The Hello Tushy Bidet attachment washes your bum with fresh water for a way better clean than toilet paper. You simply spray and pat dry. You, yes, you can install the Hello Tushy Bidet attachment to your existing toilet in less than eight minutes. You don't need an electrician and you don't need a plumber. Make the restroom your best room with the complete Tushy system, including the Tushy Bidet attachment, ottoman, toilet brush, and Tushy stand and tissues. Join the millions of happy Hello Tushy customers right now who take care of their Yule logs the dignified way. Give the gift of a clean bum to yourself or your loved ones this holiday season and get 10% off plus free shipping right now now at hellotushy.com slash actually. That's hellotushy.com slash actually for 10% off plus free shipping. We will move on here to our next question, which is our second shiny question. This is a game called What's Wrong With This Picture? Uh, so in just a second, we're going to put an image up on the screen and we have, we've uh, altered something about it. So something is not the way it should be. It'll be up to you to identify what is wrong. First person to do so will get the point. Let's take a look at this image. Now this is a complicated one. You might be, I think you're able to zoom in. Hopefully you are, because uh, there is a lot going on there. By design, a lot to look at here. And I'll say this kind of stuff is absolutely my shit. <laughs> a well-ordered system that helps me understand a complicated lore. Mercer has buzzed in. Uh, yes, uh, um, actually, right above the material plane, that should be the Feywild and not the Beastlands. That is correct. We've swapped around the order, uh, the location of the Beastlands and the Feywild. Let's take a look at the next image to see what it should look like. Boink, it's all the same. Wow. That was very uh, impressive. <laughs> there was a lot to look at there, but you found it. I don't have much else to add to that uh, in terms of the conversation. <laughs> I've, I've never seen this image in my life. I never really got into it, but this is quite fascinating. <laughs> that, uh, like, I didn't know. I would have said, you know, something that sounds so, uh, I don't know, in in lore to be, uh, it, it, it sounds weird for Hades and Limbo that is definitely from religion and other lore to be included in this, but, um, you know, I guess you can do whatever you want. I feel like this scratches the same itch to me as like, uh, as like looking at a fantasy map at the front of a, a novel, you know, where it's like, yeah. okay, I'm orienting myself in, in time and space. Uh, 
And I'm sure Matt can speak to this better than I can. But I think the idea is that like also like these planes correspond to the alignment chart, basically. So like there are planes that are like, this is a, uh, you know, this is a lawful good plane. This is a and, and so on and so forth, which is why you have things like Limbo and Hades there that that are like yeah. from from mythology, but also like, well, this is going to fit in this, like how we're going to like organize these particular like uh, alignments in. Yeah. Like, Inter- interact with the world. What does positive and negative plane mean? It's it's similar way that it, it corresponds to alignment in some ways to older additions, but also just kind of positive and negative energy. Positive being the energy of life and creation, negative being the you know the snuffing uh, of life or the destruction of things, entropy. That's kind of what it's going for. And you have left or right as the uh, planes of law versus the planes of chaos. And you, it's all sounds really cool. And then you realize a lot of it's just borrowed heavily from metaphysics and religion and. Uh, <laughs> It is a beautiful, like, it's beautiful. Like, to, to, to Trap's point, I would totally have this on my wall. This is also one of the things you don't show somebody who's going like, so, how do you play d d <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so uh, positive energy is, of course, um, crystals and smoothies. Negative energy <laughs> is, uh, you know, thinking low self-esteem, thinking for yourself, <laughs> negative thoughts. Uh, so just, like, keep that in mind as you, as, uh, you know, like, through uh, playing. I want to play in that campaign. <laughs> sure. oh, sorry, Matt, on your map, you've replaced Bitopia with Pilates. <laughs> Why <is that laughs> well, to get there, you have to traverse the great plains of wheatgrass. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, well, at that point, we'll go to Matt, and we will go on to our next question here. Magic items. They're fun, unless they're stupid. Some of these stranger items described in official game manuals include the Ring of Contrariness, the Horn of Bobbles, the Ring of Bureaucratic Wizardry, the Belt of Impossible Girth, and the Brooch of Number Numbing. Uh, Gus. Um, actually, the Brooch of Number Numbing is not a real item. It is actually a, an official item uh, described. It is a it is an item that uh, makes you temporarily forget what numbers mean. You, you remember what numbers are, but you don't remember if like four is bigger than eighty. For Amazing. for it seems very uh, situational, a very situational yeah, piece of gear. Extremely specific, <laughs> and that's that's like an that's an item that can only be invented by nerds. So it's like you don't know math anymore. Uh, <laughs> it's the ultimate insult. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I. Have Amy buzzed in next and then Matt. So Amy, what you got here? Um, actually, it's the Horn of Bubbles. The Horn of Bubbles is a real item that exists, but so too does the Horn of Bobbles. Uh, oh, both are horns that exist. Uh, the Horn of Bobbles creates a five-foot cube of useless trinkets, and if you blow it more than once per hour, it has a 10% chance of sucking you into it and turning you into a thing of useless cr- trinkets from which you die and from which there is no saving you or any okay. kind of returning. <laughs> a very useful item to have if you want trinkets and are okay with the possibility of permanent death. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Matt, uh, what's what's your answer here? Um, actually, I believe it was uh, the belt of the girdle of impossible girth is not an actual item. Yes, the belt of impossible girth is something that I just made up. Uh, that uh, that doesn't exist. That point will go to Matt. Um, uh, just to cover the ones that we didn't talk about here, um, the ring of contrariness, which is sounds like a fucking nightmare item. I swear <laughs> to God, it renders uh, it renders you unable to agree with any thought, idea, or action. Um, it also confers certain benefits, but that is that you are unable to agree with anyone else at the Jeez. table. With the ring of bureaucratic wizardry, which quote 
When a wizard casts any spell while wearing the ring, a sheaf of papers and a quill pen suddenly appear in his hand. The papers are forms that must be filled out in triplicate, explaining the effects of the spell, why the wizard wishes to cast it, whether it is for business or pleasure, and so on. The forms must be filled out before the effects of the spell occur. The higher the level of spell cast, the more complicated the forms become. Filling out the forms requires one round per spell level why oh, <laughs> why? oh <laughs> like, my gosh all these items are items that are like designed to make the game less fun. like it's it's not even like it's like oh wow what a crazy mechanic for me in game it's like no you the player are going to have less yeah. fun playing this game now um is the is the belt of impossible girth a condom <laughs> <laughs> Right, that's a belt of impossible birth. Very similar. <laughs> there we go. Well played. Well played. Very good. Uh, I want to I give a point just for that. Uh, cool. Here's our next question. Most beholders are evil and xenophobic, but one specific beholder, Massive Mario, is more neutral. He has exceptional, some might even say godlike knowledge, and spends his days running his tavern, the laughing beholder, and listening to tales from adventurers. Who? <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, actually, his name is Large Luigi. That is correct. <laughs> no! No. <laughs> yes. Um, actually, his name is not Massive Mario. It's a large Luigi. And I put this question in here just to force one of you to say that. Gus, uh, 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 Gus, what? <laughs> I was making a joke. I, I was trying to be funny. <laughs> wait, no, wait, no, no, no. That was a joke and you got it right? Yeah. <laughs> Hell yes. That my is amazing. mind is so blown. I don't know what's going on. Mine is too. How do you guys feel? <laughs> I feel like I'm being punked. Like there's some, I, like there's some jokes. I, I'm familiar with Large Luigi. It's much better that you were. You just did the opposite of what I did, which is saw Large Luigi and be like, I'm going to oh do a slightly. He slightly just made. He just made the birth joke, and then he just, he's like on fire. Saltzman looks like he maybe have some info for us on Large Luigi. He's from Spelljammer. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, he's on the Rock of Brawl is where his uh, his bar is located, and he's he's considered <laughs> the most famous beholder. Well, cool. Uh, that point against all odds, going to Gus with, uh, with a total <laughs> shot in the dark, dark and a shot to the heart. You got <laughs> Luigi. Um, cool. We'll move on to our last shiny question of the game. This is a variation on Order Up, uh, an, an old game that we played that I'm calling Out of Range. You're going to see a collection of seven spells. We're going to be looking to sort of collectively put these in order of the range of those spells from uh, from closest to farthest. So this is a bit of a like very technical, uh, rulesy kind of game because I felt like I had to have at least one of those in here. Buzz in if you think you know what the closest one is, and then the next closest, and the next closest, and so on. So uh, your buzzers are all set. Let's put those spells up. And if you think you will start closest to farthest, so if you think you know what the closest spell is here, buzz in. Uh, Gus has buzzed in first. What do you think? What do you got? Um, actually, purify food and drink. Uh, nope, I put that in here to trick people up. That is not actually the closest one here, though it does make sense. Uh, Amy is next. Magnificent Mansion. That is incorrect. Uh, Matt, you've buzzed in. What is the closest range of the spells here? Um, actually, 
Calm Emotions. Also incorrect. Also incorrect. <sighs> oh, uh, Amy has buzzed in quickly. Um, uh, actually, I think you have to touch someone to raise dead. That's correct. Raise dead. That is in the touch, uh, uh, that is uh, a range of touch. All right, I'm gonna reset all your buzzers here for, for some quick draws, but uh, now we're, we're going for the next closest here. All right, that order is Amy, Gus, Matt. What is the next range here? Um, actually, project image. Uh, incorrect, Gus. Um, actually, calm emotions. Incorrect again, Matt. <laughs> um, actually, purify food and drink. This is where Purify Food and Drink oh. is. Uh, sorry, Gus. Um, Purify Food and Drink has a range of 10 feet. Um, so I'm resetting these. We're going for the next one. We're running out of options here, so these should get gradually easier. That is Matt buzzing in. What is our next, the next range here? Um, actually, the next range is, I believe, Magnificent Mansion. That is incorrect, actually. <laughs> Correct. Uh, Amy, then Gus. Um, actually, Project Image. Uh, incorrect. Gus. I'm actually calm emotions. This is calm emotions. That has a range of <laughs> 60 feet. Uh, I'm resetting these buzzers. What is next? That is Matt, then Amy, then Gus. I'm actually project image. That is incorrect. Uh, Amy. I'm actually sending. Uh, incorrect, Gus. I'm actually magnificent mansion. Uh, it is not yet, but no, those are all incorrect. Uh, so there's only a couple left here. I'm going to reset these buzzers, but it's going to be probably something of a of an Old West quick draw. And that is Amy, Gus, Matt. <laughs> okay, so I'm actually Magic Missile. It's Magic Missile. There's not, not much left there. <laughs> um, resetting those buzzers. Uh, we've only got uh, uh, three spells left. That is Amy, Matt, Gus. Um, actually, Calm Emotions. Uh, we already guessed that oh, one. Oh, shit. Incorrect. Uh, 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 Mercer, <laughs> Amy made it a little easy. <laughs> has bowed out on this one. Oh, no. Uh, uh, what is the next closest range? Uh, um, Actually, it would be project image. That is incorrect. Gus. Oh. Um, actually, magnificent mansion is the correct answer. It is magnificent mansion. So currently, we've got uh, two for Amy, two for Gus, one for Matt, and with only two left, this next round will be our last one because process of elimination will determine the last one. So I'm going to reset these. One more round here. What is the next farthest? That is Amy, then Gus, then Matt. Um, actually, project image. It is project image is the next one, which of course means sending is the last one. Let's take a look at what these uh what these uh ranges are great so we talked about some of these already uh i tried to pick ones that that seemed like they they kind of disobey the logic you're not expecting um uh like like raise dead versus purify food and drink project image is 500 miles uh so you can you can totally like luke skywalker that shit and uh just send your yeah. image uh <laughs> somewhere far away um i just like that we i mean calm emotions just kind of guess you really wanted that to be closer yeah i feel like you're gonna calm someone down you want them close to you you're like yeah, hug them and yeah, bring them in it feels like it should be the range should be like the range of a hug hey you know it should be like <laughs> yeah like whatever like two arm lengths is it's like that can calm some emotions you know i love that that um magnificent mansion has a greater length has a greater range than magic missile because you think of magic missiles being able to like just like blast from far away but if you for even farther than that you can be like a house <laughs> yeah wow, it's so weird I, I i probably knew that but it hasn't been used in a long time and yeah yeah 300 feet seems excessive for the effect of that spell 
maybe it's for like it is for uh like sort of the the shock of it like if you want to like really impress your your adventuring party to be like it's like oh just wait till you see my lovely house so you can like approach it from afar and like <laughs> yeah. see the ground totally. so you're like look at this yeah pretty nice huh that's a you don't get the same away. effect if it's right in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Uh, Amy identified three of those. Um, uh, uh, Gus got two. Matt got one. So Amy will get the point for that shiny question. Gus with two. Mercer with six points. And Amy also with two. And this brings us to our last question of the game, which, as always, concerns real-life skills. Nothing about D&D here. Just, just some stuff about the real world. Your class can have a big effect on your life in the game, but what about your economic class in real life? Last year, the U.S. poverty threshold for a single adult under 65 was about $13,000. This number is adjusted upward by about 28% for a second adult in the household to about $16,000, and adjusted upward by about 50% for a single adult with one child to about $26,000. Yes, Amy. Um, actually, that number is not, it's only adjusted for kids, but not for a second adult in the household. Uh, that's incorrect. It, it does get adjusted. Uh, Matt. Um, actually, this just continues to prove how broken the American economic system is. It should be much higher. That is sort of like the moral of this question. But that, that's not specific. Uh, that is not the specific uh, figure that is wrong here. The yeah. poverty, poverty threshold number is wrong, but there is a different figure that is incorrect. Uh, Gus. Hey, Gus, you got a joke here? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is ripe for, for joking. Um, actually, the number for a child and adult are flipped. Interesting. They're not flipped, but the number, uh, the, the figure for a single adult with one child is wrong. Uh, and since we don't, I don't just want to guess numbers forever, I'll go ahead and give you the point there. Um, I said that uh, if you are a single adult with one child, that figure, that number is adopted, adjusted up by 50%. In fact, it's only adjusted up by 32% to about $17,308. So that means that if uh, you are a parent working a minimum wage job and worked a full year of 2,080 hours, you would still fall below the poverty threshold. Uh, so uh, it is a stupid fucked up world we live in and that's mm. the note we're going out on. <laughs> my gosh Ugh. things are dark right now and yeah. i okay i vote yeah, leave... i vote not mike trap to be my next dungeon master <laughs> <laughs> leave them leave them laughing right i mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're having fun here but we're there's still serious shit to work out well yeah true that's actually true yeah catharsis and shared it. misery Cool. Three points for Gus, six for Matt, two for Amy, making Matt our winner for this episode. Uh, thank you very much for joining us here, talking about D&D, yeah. learning about beholders, learning about spells, doing all kinds of stuff. Join us next time for even more pedantic corrections here on Um Actually. Um Actually.